This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bacon. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share, contact us at anxietycanada.com slash ouranxietystories. My name is John Bateman. You're listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast, which can be found at anxietycanada.com and most of your popular podcast platforms. Today, my guest is Ayla Tesler Mabe. She's a musician, producer, songwriter, apparently guitar aficionado from what I've seen. Uh, Ayla, welcome. Thank you so much. Wonderful to have you here. Wonderful to be here. Right. So you know a bit of the drill. You know what we're what, what I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, the podcast is Our Anxiety Story. So uh, Ayla, what's your anxiety story? Where do I even begin? I feel like in many ways it's been intertwined with most parts of my life, which I think is true for many, many people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I suppose the first thing I think of is growing up in a family with people who have just experienced too much. And as a result, I think there's a pretty significant like intergenerational kind of trauma, anxiety sort of thing that's always existed. Could, could you elaborate a bit on when you say experience too much? Is, is it too much of a, is it too much anxiety? Is it too much trauma? We don't have to go too deep into the details on that. But when you, when you say too much, what does that mean? Yeah, just like the, kind of like the most extreme things humans yeah. can go through right. a lot of, war and genocide and like you know really heavy stuff where like understandably that would really shape your perception of the world and you Mm -hmm. know the kind of messages you would impart to your children rightfully so i get it but Mm -hmm. yeah it definitely created an environment where i never fully realized until this year when i moved out for the first time and i was able to have a bit of distance and sort of reflect a little more on that that yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of fear, anxiety, a lot of, you know, still enjoying life, but always having that thought at the back of your mind that, you know, whatever stability you have in the moment could change very suddenly because it's happened to, I mean, pretty much everyone in my family other than my generation. Is I that feel right? Like I'm the first generation of people in my family to have Stability. So without getting in, into specifics, you're, uh, a generation of your family moved here to Canada? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm happy to talk about okay, I, that. I would love to hear some about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting story um, where for the past couple of generations, most of my family was in South America, mm-hmm. Argentina and Chile, um, though my family's Jewish. So obviously right. that comes with, <laughs> yeah. you know, yep. a lot. Um, yep. And yeah, you know, my mom uh, being raised by a Holocaust survivor and my dad having to live through war in Argentina um, when the military coup came to power in 1976. And wow, yeah, he's seen things that I can't even imagine. And it's only slowly over time that I've sort of started piecing together what that was. Was that stuff that was openly shared with you or was it just basically implied uh, in your household? Quite open. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know there are a lot of people whose families don't talk about those sorts of things. But mm. I guess it, it just is the nature of my family where generally those things are, are pretty open. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's because it can be such a heavy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like with my dad, I don't just out of the blue ask him a question yeah. about what that was like. It's, it's usually 
a very particular moment where I, I don't know, I want to ask more or he chooses to share something. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty open family. Um, <laughs> it probably helps that my dad uh, is a psychiatrist. My he, mom oh, is a psychologist. <laughs> it, very interesting. Yeah, okay. So obviously, in general, um, I, I'd say conversations about this sort of stuff and mental health and everything, there definitely wasn't the kind of stigma that I know a lot of people grow up with, mm-hmm. at the very least. So, so you, yeah. so you, when you were growing up, um, you, your parents were practicing both these disciplines, uh, I, I guess, sort of when you were born or around that time. Yeah. Um, what kind of indicators did you have, like with your own experience with anxiety? You know, did you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to ask too much because I want to get the real deal. But, you know, did you start <laughs> feeling something? Was it behavioral? Uh, what, what kind of stuff that, that sort of made you realize that you were having anxiety yourself? It's funny. I feel like it wasn't until extremely recently, like really? maybe the past year or two that I kind of was able to say, oh, maybe, maybe there is something here I could label as anxiety. Maybe I mm-hmm. could consider medication and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, I think, yeah, because my experience seemed very different from what I had seen in other people around me, for some reason, I just assumed it wasn't something I, I dealt with. Uh, but I mean, from the time I was like eight, for example, you know, any time I got a needle, I would faint, you know, and I know that's not a totally uncommon thing. No, but it's, it's still, there's, there's a trigger that's happening there and there's a physical reaction, yeah, probably fear happening there or, or something like that. Yeah. Like a, what do they call it? Vasovagal. Yeah. Yeah. Syncope type of situation. Right, right. But yeah, I think when I really started realizing it was more than just Oh, I'm a scared. Uh, I'm scared of needles, and I faint. It was when I, a couple times fainted when there were no needles present. Okay, and I was like, yeah. "What's going on?" And then I didn't realize until, again, just like in the past two years, speaking with my therapist. Oh, that's an anxiety attack. Oh, right. I didn't know that. I just thought I was dying. I don't know. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's yeah. interesting because growing, you know, growing up with with parents that had experienced trauma, serious trauma, and and, and who have been trained professionally. Um, but obviously you didn't exhibit this in front of them. Yeah, I suppose not. I mean, the fainting for sure. I mean, they obviously knew about that. Yeah, you know, they yeah. were with me when I would completely pass out. <laughs> and they would have had a way to rationalize around why that was happening, but they wouldn't have necessarily said, oh, ayla has got an anxiety issue. Yeah, which was, it was just really interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would actually now want to ask them exactly what they thought and how their perception of whether or not I have anxiety or how I deal with it has changed over time. Because now, I mean, my dad is so helpful and he's helped explain different medications to me. And yeah. he's he's the guy who's kind of helping manage like, oh, you know, if you're going to switch, you should, you know, first go down to a lower dose of the new one and then build up as opposed to, you know, just immediately switching to yeah, I, it's funny. I always thought I'd yeah. want a, a father who could treat me auto mechanic, t- teach me auto mechanics or something. But mm-hmm. that's a pretty good one. I mean, yeah. I've had a lot of anxiety, depression issues myself, and having you know that's great to have that at your disposal. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess what, another thing that I'd be curious to know, and maybe maybe you don't know, but um, were your parents uh, covertly, um, you know, helping you out with anxiety, but maybe not the same kind of language? Like, did they? 
you know, did they see mm-hmm. anything happening or the, 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 the environment that they created, were they able to kind of help you control it with, with the way they had life set up for you at home? Interesting question. I guess you'd have to reflect back. Yeah, and, you I really know, have to think. Say, yeah. uh, I think in a way, yes, because mm-hmm. I know they have dealt with a lot of things that they choose not to share with me just because they don't want to burden me with that. So yeah. in a way, yeah. And maybe because I'm, you know, the younger child, I have an older brother. Okay. You know, there's that inherent kind of sheltering that yeah. usually happens. So I'm sure that's part of it. Though at the same time, I don't know. I I think um, there have been things and no parent is perfect. And they are the first right. people. They always say that to yeah, me. Yeah, when I, so when I say that I have so much gratitude for them yeah, and everything, yeah. immediately they say, oh, but we haven't been perfect. And like they are always. I'm still waiting for my kids to say that to me, that they have so much gratitude. <laughs> We're still waiting for that. But that, I'm glad you say yeah. that to them. That's very kind. Yeah. Coming from a parent's perspective. Because for me, I, I, you know, having a lot of mental health experience, I, I kind of covertly would talk to my children mm-hmm. about mental health stuff um, without them really knowing I'm talking about mental health stuff. It, it still yeah. doesn't stop things from happening. Um, so w- when you first started, you know, thinking, okay, uh, this is something, um, you know, what kind of things were you experiencing? Were you experiencing, you said, pan- you mentioned a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Um, did, do, you, do you remember having what you thought was maybe your first panic attack or... or or what was the, that first yeah. experience? Kind of what that felt like physically for you. Yeah. So I think the first major one I can remember, because I think there have been some examples of that when I was quite a bit younger, but the biggest kind of perspective changing one was when I was on a plane, mm-hmm. like how many years ago? Three years ago? First time traveling without my parents. Mm-hmm. I was just in a very stressful situation at that time with people where the dynamics were really complicated at and this point were you into what you're into now like were yeah, you yeah, your, yeah. your musical career was moving along absolutely this, yeah. this was for music um yeah. that i was that's why i was on the plane yeah and yeah yeah i remember a bunch of factors kind of converged where yeah. you know i'm just i'm very sensitive in mm. in my body and and my spirit but in my body like i get headaches very often like if i don't get enough water if i don't get enough food if i don't get enough sleep if i'm a little upset if i'm a little whatever yeah and you know that i was just dealing with some kind of complicated interpersonal dynamics Mm -hmm. at that time Mm -hmm. first time traveling without my parents way too much sun that day and i kept (laughs) asking everyone around me hey could we maybe like chill and get some food and they're like no we gotta keep walking we gotta keep going we can't get water we have to keep going before uh, it and i'm like there. Yeah. come on <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah and so not enough water not enough food not enough sleep too much sun it's all just and, building towards this yeah but then this this is the kicker i was watching kill bill and uh there's <laughs> <laughs> you're dis- adding a lot of really visceral triggers oh, to this anxiety yes, attack absolutely yeah <laughs> and this is all starting to make sense to me yeah. yeah yeah there's there's a pretty disturbing revelation quite early on into the film when mm-hmm. one of the main characters wakes up from a coma and she realizes um what had been yeah. happening to her yeah. while she was comatized comatose comatose thank you there it is comatized <laughs> i like comatized Maybe that'll become, never mind. <laughs> we'll hashtag it. Yeah? Yeah, sure. There'll be one post under that hashtag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I all of a sudden 
felt like I had this terrible stomach ache all mm -hmm. of a sudden. I couldn't even tell exactly what was happening. I just mm -hmm. kind of felt like I was dying. I don't know right. how to yeah. describe that's, it. Other that's than often like, described that way. Yeah, every part of my body felt like it was They're shutting down. They're having a heart attack. They're yeah, dying. Exactly. They're going to faint. They're going to die. 100%. So common. Yeah, and then before I knew it, I passed out. And wow. It, uh, so you're on the plane at this point. Yep. And like 35,000 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And on your own. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And well, I, I was with um, some other people that I was working with. At but the time, you're not but with your not trusted with my core. Yes. Gotcha. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And yeah, when I woke up, I, I was unconscious for like quite a while. And, and so people just assumed you were sleeping at this point or something. No, because I was holding a um, bottle of water and I dropped it. Wow, okay. And yeah. so the people I was with were like, oh, Ayla, you dropped your water. And then they're like, oh, mm. she's unconscious. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. so by the time I woke up, there were like a good hundred people staring at me. Really? Because they had been like paging doctors. You know, is there a doctor on the flight? You know, yeah. I woke up, there were all these people next to me. All the flight attendants were there. All the people were looking. Which on itself, you know, coming <laughs> out of an experience like that or even experiencing a panic attack with a lot of people focusing yeah. on you. Very <laughs> yeah. disconcerting and discombobulating, sure. right? Yeah, and I don't know if you've ever fainted, but the feeling of regaining consciousness is very... I, I haven't and I oh. don't know. Well, describe it to me. How could I describe it? It's... I've experienced this more significantly when I've fainted for longer periods of time, but mm -hmm. there's a moment where you're regaining consciousness where you genuinely don't know anything. You don't know anything. I, wow. I can't describe it. It's like, like you, a, your name, who you are. I don't are, know my name. I don't know where I am. I don't know what anything is. I think people have woken up. Anything people is. wake up from <laughs> dreams on occasion. That's happened to me. Yeah. I don't know where I am. I don't even remember my name. It's very disorienting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's very stressful to feel that. I can't even describe that so, feeling really. <laughs> when you came out of this and you mm -hmm. had had your panic attack, your proper panic attack, mm -hmm. what were your feelings after that? Like, did you have anxiety right away after that? Like I, I would see myself just going into like cyclical fainting, like waking up, disoriented, anxiety, faint, waking up. You know, like <laughs> oh, what was your experience? Uh, well, what, no, what did that feel like or how did that, how did that feel? I fainted so many times before in my life that yeah. I was kind of like, oh, you know, this is another fainting spell, though obviously a new type. So, yeah, I, you yeah. know, I did have the thought that there was something to look into and as I assumed as soon as we landed my parents were there at the airport and they heard what had happened they're like we should go to the hospital and just get you checked Check out you know out. take some tests whatever yep. and yeah that being said i think i was okay and this is mm -hmm. <laughs> a fascinating part of my personality i'll reveal mm -hmm. there was a secret part of me that loved the fact like it was very disconcerting as I was regaining consciousness and then finally I realized where I am, but I can't move. Yeah. Like that's also a very stressful thing to feel. But then as I was like, okay, almost back, you know, um, I was like, oh, everyone's watching me. I can make some jokes and I have mm. everyone in the palm of my hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Great. one thing I've noticed. I think. The performative part of you yeah. comes out. <laughs> Which is such a strange thing. Because I mean, thing, that's something but... else I, w I, I will ask you, but not right now. But yeah. But, um, but that's uh, how I make light of those situations, yeah. I guess. So, yeah. so, you know, did you find after that situation, did you, have you ever had a point where like anxiety has been sort of more prevalent throughout your day, like day to day kind of, there's been a, a level of it that you would consider to be sort of above what you consider to be comfortable? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think 
I had been facing it for a while, but I never mm. fully realized until maybe COVID. Um, right. There were just some really complicated dynamics at home. Mm -hmm. um, I probably won't get too much into that, but I know that yep. was definitely making things on a day-to-day -day basis very, very stressful. Mm -hmm. And then I moved out and, you know, this year, mm -hmm. 2022 has probably been one of the most transformative years of my yeah. life it, by far. As it would be by virtue of your age, period. But let For alone sure. what yeah. you're going Because I have a daughter who's 20 mm -hmm. and her, her whole life where you're supposed to be um, graduating, moving on, going to college, da, da, da. It, it just really got yeah wrecked yeah and so you you know a lot of from that from this generation from that year got you know kind of held back when they really didn't want to be yeah 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 that that was certainly a big factor there um mm. and then this year i feel like i've gone through some hugely monumental changes mm -hmm. um but it was really interesting finally this spring this past spring i was thinking about it and i was like maybe I'm going to try medication and see what right. happens. Yeah. And I can't even explain the difference in how I feel. So, yeah. so what, what was the feeling before medication? Like, like, did you, was your anxiety controlling you? Like, was it, was it holding you back? Um, well, what's really interesting about it is I feel like it came out the most in extreme perfectionism yeah. and an extreme fear of failure. Mm -hmm. which in a way obviously impacts your work negatively mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. though at the same time it can be a driving force mm -hmm. and was a very significant driving force in me doing what I do and being as ambitious as I am and as hardworking as I can but it's it's not a pleasant experience to mm -hmm. work hard because you're because you have a crippling fear of failure. That's yeah, not a yeah. pleasant motivator. Yeah, you know? no, no. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no, of course not. So, no. so you have that, but then you, so you went on medication that obviously, can you explain to me a little bit how, you know, what subtle changes that might've happened that, that, and how that served you? Oh, I'd say not subtle at all. Oh, I, really? Okay, interesting. Yeah. I think I've never realized until now how, heightened my nervous system was like right. all the time yeah. i was always like one second from snapping and the thing is i don't mean snapping really at other people because what's always been really interesting is people have really perceived me overwhelmingly as really calm yeah you you, pro you project chill very well yeah thank yeah. you and yeah. what's funny is in the past there was an extreme contrast between how people perceived me and I guess how I presented and yeah. how I truly felt inside, which yeah. was like vibrating with anxiety. And Tell me fear what that feels failure. like. The reason is because I know that like yeah. I, I know perfectionism and mm -hmm. I also know I'm like a doer and, and my, my, the biggest thing I've had to work on is when I'm not doing stuff, this, it feels like it's in, physically, it feels like it's in my chest. There's like a vibration, mm -hmm. like anxiety, got to do something, got to do something, got to do something. Like what, what does it feel like physically for you before you went on medication, what that feels like? It would just feel like I need to do something extreme. I need to hit something. I need right. to throw something. Yeah. Yeah. So just a really like, yeah. Kind of violent physical, physical output. Action, yeah. Which yeah. is, I mean, sometimes you're able to restrain it. Sometimes not. Obviously I've never hurt another person. No, but which there's, is all there that matters, is healthy but, outputs. And <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not there's nothing wrong with like, punching a pillow. 
right? Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to do that. And I've heard about a lot of people physically kind of working their way through that by being physical without harming others or themselves, obviously. So yeah, it's well, interesting. That, yeah, I guess the, the line for me is... those impulses are normal, right? That, it is, that we have, it is. Yeah. But then I realized at a certain point there there was... Yeah, I think I realized it was a lot more harmful to me than I mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really had... Yeah, now I now I know that it yeah. was like I sh- the signs were there like a decade ago. You know, yeah, these yeah. were not healthy ways to deal with stress. Yeah, um, and slowly over time, like my parents noticed, and they also were like, "You can't do that." Yeah, um, and yeah. not not in a punishing way, no. but you know, in a worried way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, it's it's always interesting how like in those moments in the past. You don't really realize, mm-hmm. uh, but then you know, with hindsight, you're like, it's so obvious. Like, yeah, it's, it's I, I could amazing, have been it? on medication a long time ago, or mm-hmm. on some sort of religious meditation schedule. I don't yeah. mean like religious, as in like, yeah. But I just mean like a strict meditation yeah, schedule a, or something like that. A strict routine, strict routine, which people do yeah. use in dealing with that too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, I, I, of course, have gone medication route and, and I'm on medication um, and I, I find the same results as you do, um, yeah. you know, in terms of in terms of leveling that out. And I think it's absolutely I, I constantly am battling against the stigma against medication yeah, uh, because I think it's important. But I also think it's important that once on medication and once you start feeling yourself to still maintain and, and work on building good practice outside of it right yeah because really what it has helped me do is deal with some of the physical symptoms that would prevent me from putting healthy habits in place like for example exercising is such a good outlet and i usually feel a hundred times better after i exercise but i was so anxious i'd be getting stomach cramps or really bad headaches Mm -hmm. and it's like well i can't exercise if i'm feeling that way yeah. I can't meditate if I'm feeling physically like I want to just, I don't even, I don't know, rip my hair out or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so- interesting, like, you, you, you've never had it to the, you've never had it because it, it, anxiety and mental health um, it affects us in such, such different ways. You know, that is, it results in such different behavior. Mm-hmm. And mine is like, shut down, lie down, like, don't leave my room, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yours isn't particularly like that. Like you, I suppose not, yeah. Mm-hmm. Though there was a point probably during COVID where that was heightened, but mm-hmm. I think that's something a lot of people Makes experience. A lot of sense. I'm sure like that kind of, those kind of uh, depression type symptoms really came out for a lot of people. Well, yeah, you're kind of being told to act like you're depressed don't yeah. leave your house yeah, <laughs> you know don't go and point. talk to people don't socialize <laughs> like do yeah. everything that seems like depression is yeah. kind of what they were doing and maybe at a certain point it'll become depression yeah and, and, and for a lot of people <laughs> it did it did right you know we all know yeah. mental health issues spiked have they spiked did. during covid oh i know and, very well yeah, my dad yeah. would bring home the statistics like yeah. all the time yeah yeah so i want to talk a little bit about you know your your discipline, you're, because you're obviously a very accomplished musician. I'm um, a very accomplished guitar player, and and um, your teacher, and your producer, and and what I'm interested to in know is, you know, when you talk about having that feeling or that that kind of excitability or that kind of stuff. How do you feel like that's informed you or or driven you to where you are? Um, 
Because, you know, often, like anxiety and, and that feeling of I've got to do something or I've got to do this or I've got to be perfect can, can result in negative things. But you also, along the way, obviously it's re- resulted in some positive things. Yeah. So how did, like, how did mm-hmm. that inform you or how did that drive you, those, those kind of habits that some could consider to be OCD or, or anxious or ADHD? Or, mm-hmm. How did that inform you or was it, was it like... I'm asking too long of a question here. I guess you ought to just let you answer. But I guess I'm just wondering how much of, how much of that was therapy and how much of that served your mental health uh, state and, and still does serve your mental health state. Yeah, I think it's a factor of all of those things. I mean, it is an incredible outlet. Mm-hmm. This sort of like meditative practice where I would do something over and over yeah, and over right. again. Yeah, right. I guess it's it, a lot of repetitive yeah, practice, et cetera. It felt great to me. It felt yeah. like meditation. It felt like yeah. a release of stress and tension and everything. Though at the same time, underlying that was I need to be perfect because if I'm not perfect, mm-hmm. insert every catastrophic yeah. phrase here, you know? Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I think... It would, in many ways, take away from my enjoyment of mm-hmm. of music, and mm-hmm. it shaped and maybe controlled the way that I thought I had to approach music in a way that right. overall, over time, would not have been sustainable and would not have been conducive to a healthy life in any way. And I mm-hmm. think that's it's one of those like paths where you play it through. Mm-hmm. And you could see it being very disastrous yeah. for someone. Like, I mean, I'm not saying this is what would have happened for, for me, but I right. know it's like you can trace certain paths and be like, oh, you see how people end up with drug addiction yeah. and how people end up with other really, uh, you know, um, destructive ways to deal with. Well, in your industry, in, in in, of course, yeah, it, it's, it's well documented. You know, you, you probably yeah. name a lot of your idols and a lot of them have probably been, you know, you know, possessed the same kind of talents, the same kind of motor skills and everything that you do. But somewhere along the line, that's the medication route that they went. Yeah. And that and obviously you're well aware of that. And that's something you yeah. avoid. But um, yeah, so it, it, it it's interesting because there seems like there's such a fine line of um, of having these characteristics or having because a lot of people with mental health issues are brilliant people mm-hmm. and they don't find a good avenue to you know to to deal with those habits that they have established and i think you're yeah. an example of finding a good avenue of uh yeah. of dealing with it been trying yeah again i'm so so grateful to have to have grown up in a family where going to therapy was something you know, we did sometimes like I'm not saying, you know, we would always just go to family therapy and whatever because, you know, they're complicated dynamics. Was it something or, you did as a, as a family? Did There was a period of time where we did. Um, so, so OK, yeah. so just just go back. I'm, I'm very curious about logistics of this because. Yeah. So there's like three or four of you possibly. I understand it sounds like a four person family. generally. Yeah, four person family. <laughs> so this therapist that you're going to see is mm-hmm. dealing with y- you and your sibling. And then a psychologist, psychologist, and a psychiatrist. Yeah, interesting. It is interesting. It yeah. didn't. It didn't last too long because I know there were some complicated. Yeah, well, I, it would. That would be difficult. <laughs> There's a lot of kind of conflicts of interest going on there yeah. potentially, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. But then, 
the therapist that I see now, I I really started seeing her years ago Mm -hmm. um, with my mom at the time. Uh, But yeah, again, it was something that was okay and encouraged in many ways. And yeah, yeah, of course, my upbringing had its issues, no doubt. Um, But I am very lucky that at the very least, that was something that I experienced. It wasn't I, did, I wasn't afraid of having anxiety. I was just yeah, afraid that, of and, and that, what I was experiencing. That's a ma- I, can't yeah. under, I can't, you know, that's a massive statement. Yeah. Because so many people have anxiety and they, and then it starts to feed on itself, obviously. Of course. A vicious cycle. Yeah. You're afraid of anxiety. I've been there before too. And that's why I asked about that question about coming to and coming off that airplane. A lot of people would mm-hmm. get into a cycle at that point and you didn't. Yeah, you yeah. know, definitely, you have the benefit of having very informed and, and enlightened par- parents in the mental health realm. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so you, so do you see as a counselor something you you do pretty regularly? Yeah, yeah. every couple of weeks. Yeah, I me mean, too. Yeah. yeah, even when things are going well. If that's, anything, that's I feel like, like probably the most important time to go. I think that's when yeah. I have the most productive uh, self reflection because when I'm actually going through something and I'm actually feeling really distressed. It's hard to think rationally. Exactly right. Because yeah. our minds tell us exactly, they tell us a lot of negative things and we're just so trained to believe our subconscious thoughts. Yeah. You know, yeah. our automatic thoughts and they're, they're not true. Hint. Mm-hmm. But they so feel real. They do because yeah. your brain is making them so you think you're making them. But this brain thing is just something that seems to work willy-nilly independent of itself. Absolutely. Like, I, I mean, in, in some ways it keeps our heart beating, it keeps us breathing, it keeps all this stuff functioning. But in many ways it, it works anti to what we're trying to accomplish yeah like it's it's an enormous part of your sense of self and identity obviously but at the same time it's also just an organ in your yeah, body yeah. that you need to separate your identity from sometimes because you can know for example that something is good for you mm-hmm. but then in your body you can feel otherwise and so then important. sometimes you have to be yeah. like i feel this way but i know better yeah. And you have to like outsmart yourself yeah, sometimes, yeah. You've, especially you've when you know to. you have negative habits you've built. And, it's so hard. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talking about that being in a state of heightened anxiety or, you know, that uh, I would always want to, whenever I was super anxious, I would like, okay, I got to meditate. Mm. I, I can't meditate when I'm anxious. And it's mm-hmm. just the same thing going into therapy. I, I can't, I can't communicate as well with my therapist when I'm really anxious. Because really, I'm dealing with a lot of emotion. My yeah. thoughts are not rational. That's why your point about it, you know, that keep going, it's important to keep going, even yeah. when you're feeling good, because you can get so much more out of it. Yeah, that's the great paradox of all yeah. of this, where yeah. when you feel positive, mm-hmm. you don't think you need the things that help you deal with anxiety or depression yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. But you feel then, good. You don't want to address yeah, it. Yeah, but then you can't use these uh tools when you're in that state so it's like all the meditation and the exercise and the therapy and whatever like you have to put that in place when you're feeling more calm so that mm-hmm. they're there yeah for you so one more question um what you've got medication you have your you have your art and your discipline mm-hmm. what are the kind of tools you use to to deal with anxiety and deal with your mental health with stress because you're obviously you you probably have potential for a high stress less lifestyle got a so. lot of ambition um you're growing you're you're getting bigger in the world in your in your in the musical community and in public in general what kind of things do you do 
um, to kind of help navigate you through that? I think medication has been incredible because it's helped me build Mm -hmm. so many healthier mindsets about quote unquote failure and about criticism or whatever. I, I feel like I am so much better equipped to deal with Mm-hmm. The things that used to completely uproot my sense of self when I was younger. And yeah. yeah, it's incredible now. The usual waves of anxiety that I pretty much had as, as a constant uh, feeling. Yeah. I don't really feel that anymore. Fabulous. I can't even explain yeah. how incredible that is. And this perfectionism thing, mm-hmm. I feel like it's barely part of my life now like it's i still see it come through in a few areas but generally speaking i'm not afraid of making mistakes anymore yeah i feel like i just because i I always grew up kind of knowing Mm -hmm. um a better perspective but feeling differently in my body and Mm. i'd have this perspective of the problems i'm facing of course they're real problems like victor Mm -hmm. frankel you know, suffering's relative. It's not real. It's not like it's not real suffering, but I think about how, yes, I'm going through something I find very unpleasant, but at the very least I'm doing it with a roof over my head. There's no war. I don't have to worry. Perspective is very important. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'd hold that perspective. Uh, and at the same time still feel like I was going through something so extreme in my body, which you're allowed to, it's all relative. Yeah. You know, but I, it, that's, that's a great point, you know, perspective. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've just gathered from talking with you here tonight is, is basically education, educating yourself on it. And, yeah. and knowing is so much for the battle, like knowing yeah. when your thoughts are going off the rails and it, that's so much of a battle. I, I can't explain how, how great it was talking today. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and I, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to seeing all your, your musical endeavors in the future because it's, it's going to be amazing. Thank you. Okay. Wow, that means a lot. Yeah. Take care. Thank you for listening to our anxiety stories. If you'd like to support this podcast or Anxiety Canada, go to anxietycanada.com.